0: To nerd show.
1: Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home, away from home. Hello and welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. Special Mikey couldn't be here today, so this is Super Vegan Brian, and I'm here with Hindu Anthony.
0: Hey, Anthony. What's up, Buttercup? It throws you off when he's not here, huh? Uh, a little. He kind of like he has an extended way of introducing everything. Well, you know, when he loses it,
1: what's nerdy with you so much, he has to go off and, <laughs> and and do nerdy things when we're supposed to be recording. So so he can come back and beat us. You should do that one of these
0: days. Just be <laughs> like, this is my nerdy thing. Fuck you guys. <laughs>
1: Today we are joined by a very special guest Madeline Holly-Rosing. Madeline is the writer-creator of the steampunk comic Boston Metaphysical Society and the author of the book Kickstarter for the Independent Creator. Hi Madeline, please tell us about
0: yourself.
2: Um, Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, it's great to have you here. Yeah, steampunk sounds really neat actually.
1: I've, I've met Madeline a couple of times at two different conventions um, at Santa Clarita Valley Comic Con and now um, Palm Springs Comic Con. And we really needed to have her on. And I need to silence my phone because I didn't do that.
2: Yeah. I, I, I unplugged Shame. mine just in, just in case. It's so, yeah, Cell phones off, phone hard lines unplugged. Yeah. Now my it, dog is just wondering who the hell I'm
1: talking to. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a ton of questions about your comic and about crowdfunding, but first, um, we're going to play the game we play every week, What's Nerdy With You? If you're new to our podcast, what that means is we're going to go around the table sharing the nerdiest thing we did this week, and since Madeline is a very special guest, we're going to start with her at the end of our game. We will all vote and decide who did the nerdiest thing. Um, Madeline, what is nerdy with you this week? Probably
2: uh, when I yelled at my husband for not recording The Expanse. <laughs> but but he, he, uh, he took care of that. Uh, fortunately, sci-fi does uh, uh, repeats. So he went back and, uh, and made sure that the deed was done. <clears throat> so we're all caught
1: up now, and I'm happy. I haven't watched that show. Is it good? Neither yeah,
2: it's good. It's good. It's a second season started last week.
1: It's like a space opera?
2: Yeah, it's uh, based on, um, what's his name, Corey, his, his books. His name escapes me right now. I have not read his books, but now I want to go read them. But yeah, it's
1: based on a series of science fiction novels. Oh, I'll have to check that out. It's all I read about on Twitter lately. It expands. Yeah. I've heard it mentioned a couple of times. Oh, you you we got some Just competition. We got some competition this week. Cutting, I'm yelling at your husband for not... Recording a show is pretty good. Anthony, what'd you do? I don't, I
0: don't know. That's that's kind of like my daily. I mean, I get yelled up by my wife all the time. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm loath to bring this up because I keep bringing stuff up from this particular genre every week, and I feel like I'm going to burn people out. <laughs> so it's what you're obsessed with. So what is it? Um, okay, so back onto the the my 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 latest like passion hobby 40k. Um, This has nothing to do with modeling. This has nothing to do with gaming, actually. I decided, um, I was like, I wonder if I could make a background for my army that I'm building. And especially the the main character who's going to be running it. And I was like, why the fuck not? So I started writing a background for the army that I am assembling and painting. (laughs) For a war game. Yes. That's pretty nerdy, Anthony. Well, that sounds like fun. I turn I turn turned ter- to like what should just be a modeling hobby mixed with a war game into like a role playing experience <laughs> with writing elements. Well, you know, world world building is a
1: hobby that people have and people do that in all sorts of ways. So that's cool. No, it is cool. It yeah.
2: requires a lot of creativity. No, that's great.
1: Well, I um I'm almost hesitant to share because I'm not really I, I'm mine's not that big this week. I ran my first Pathfinder game, and since before the holidays, we finally got our group back together for tabletop role-playing. Woo! Uh, yeah. And um, I, and my listener, my, my players listen to this podcast, so I'm going to out myself here. I didn't have any prep done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that everybody,
1: hear that? Yeah. Yeah. And they don't, they're do not they not going to know that from playing, because I'm pretty good at ad-libbing, but I didn't have any prep done. So, I mean, I pulled a polymorphed Great Worm Dragon as a guardian to a dungeon. I winged every room on the dungeon on the fly. There were a couple times that I had forgotten to put a creature in a room, so I just copied and pasted Monster from a different room and just filed off the serial numbers and was like, it's... This that you fought the Mithril golem. This is the Cobalt golem. <laughs> well, this
2: this just shows how good you are.
1: That's all. <laughs> that's, that's that's really good. It it I I don't like to let my players know that I ad lib, but I thought it would be funny to share it in What's Nerdy with you because I I winged everything on the spot. I hate doing that because I'm such a perfectionist. I like to prep. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> they may so, make you pay for this later. Yeah. I, I think they yes, might. Exactly. I think they might. i there were there were some riddles in the game, and they hate riddles, and i I like I like I hate riddles as a player, but I like riddles as a GM. I think I'm a little
0: sadistic well, i I kind of understand why you hate riddles, especially with the way riddles are kind of done in Pathfinder, where it's like they just let the players kind of solve them. But here's the problem with that, you're supposed to be role-playing as your character, not as you. So it's really silly when it's this person walked up with like a seven intelligence barbarian and is like, I solved the riddle, guys. What? <laughs> I got it. Well the How is riddles- that even possible? You're borderline <laughs> mentally retarded. How do you how did you figure this out? I don't know. I got it though.
1: What you don't realize is the riddles that I come up with are just nonsense questions that I'm <laughs> hoping the players come up with a good answer. But they're trying to get the right answer. They don't realize I'm ad-libbing.
2: <laughs> now they're really worse. gonna make you pay for that.
0: <laughs> that's even worse. It's um, like you hear them say something. You're like, "That sounds really good." Yep, that's the answer. So
1: let's get on to voting. I really like yours, Madeline, but I've never <laughs> heard of anyone making a background for an army in a in a war game before. So I got to vote for Anthony this week.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think Anthony wins.
0: Anthony. But I'll vote for Madeline because I yelled <laughs> that a lot. So I'm voting for her in hopes that she'll be like, "Thank you that that makes me feel good," and then she'll go to him and be like, "Thank you, you helped me get a point in the in the imaginary game." Yeah, thank you for cutting for not DVRing my show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I won the no prize. Uh, <laughs> I got a point. No
0: prize. Yeah, Brian won the no prize. Well, Anthony won the no prize. Congratulations, uh, well, Anthony. Congratulations, Anthony. It's a great Thanks. honor. I know. Can't wait for it to show up in
1: my mail. So you have done so many cool things, Madeline. Now that we're we finished our, our little our little icebreaker. Why don't we just start with um why don't you just give us a quick overview of like your comic and your crowd and you you've done I know you you crowdfunded projects in the past. Um what do you want to start with?
2: Well, I'll, I'll start with the comic. For those of your listeners who are not familiar with it, the Boston Metaphysical Society is a story about an ex-Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer, and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. It, so think of it as Steampunk X-Files. It started okay. off as a, a six-issue miniseries. In fact, well, it is a six-issue miniseries. And we finished the the six issues the last issue uh last year so the kickstarter i have running right now is to print the trade uh obviously bringing all those six issues together but we added something really extra and extra special i should say and that is a 10-page sequential art short story called hunter killer and it's an airship battle uh introducing three new characters And you will only find this story in the trade. That's it. Won't be anywhere else. And I've been very fortunate in that uh, my artist, Emily Hugh, has been on every issue, on every cover. Uh, She's done a tremendous job. And she also did the short. And Gloria Colley, I think, co-colored the first three issues, then took over for the last three issues and inked and colored the cover of the trade. So I, I like Things to remain consistent, particularly when they're of a you know nice high quality, and so I've been thrilled that everybody has stayed on board for, wow, the last four years, um, getting all of this done. So it it's been quite an endeavor, an endeavor, but but we did it, and I was very pleased about that.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, that is really neat. So you guys um, are doing this um, crowdfunding to get your your um, comic off the ground, right?
2: Yeah, we're doing the the current Kickstarter is to print the trade.
0: So then I have a few questions um, concerning mostly like um, the... I'm going to jump right into the crowdfunding um, aspects okay. of this. So, so far, um, what do you think of the crowdfunding um, um, scene? Like, are, are you seeing some positive things out of it or more negative things? Is it working really well for you? Um,
2: it has worked really well for me. Um, I will say that I failed my very first Kickstarter and we learned a lot when I say we I'm referring to my husband because obviously he's the the back end in all of this and and has to deal with me when I'm running a Kickstarter.
0: Uh, mm, yes,
2: <laughs> these are hard. These these are very hard. It's a second time. It's a second full time job. And oh, yeah, they sounds
0: to, really difficult.
2: Uh, you know, and people need to understand that before before they launch. Um, and that's one of the things I teach in in my book and, and in my class. Uh, but I would say, yes, I've had a very positive experience with uh, the crowdfunding uh, platforms. I've only personally used Kickstarter. I think it is a terrific platform. Uh, there's some other good platforms out there as well. Indiegogo, uh, if you're doing a film, Seed and Spark, uh, there's some smaller ones out there, but I mean, the three big ones right now are Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and I think uh, Seed&Spark. Um, um, would you um, count Patreon as uh, crowdfunding? No. Uh, Patreon okay. is a different model. It, it sort of is crowdfunding, but it's not. Okay. It, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the, the Medicis from Italy and how they supported many uh, uh, for, for decades – uh, many of the artists, like Mac- Michelangelo, I mean, that's where it comes from. Uh, Patreon comes from patron, the word patron, yes. mm-hmm. and so literally they're looking for patron, you know, patrons of of the art, and which is great. I I also think it's a terrific platform, but it's very different than a normal what I would call crowdfunding platform like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, in that you have to bring your fan base with you.
0: Got it. You okay. Can't
2: you can't find it on Patreon, at least not yet. Um, that may change in time because all of these platforms are constantly evolving. You know, Yeah, I think probably in time, maybe in you know three to four years, they might be able to, to do that. But right now, you really have to bring your own. And yeah. if you can't do that, you're not going to make any money. And you're just going to be spending a lot of hours on $2 a month. You know, <laughs>
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, nobody goes to Patreon looking for content. They get their content, and then they look for their Patreon.
2: Yes. Patreon works very, very well for um, uh, visual artists of all ilks, whether they be illustrators, film people. There are a few writers that do very well there, but they were already popular before they went to Patreon. Mm-hmm. And so they just, they just brought their fan base with them. And it's a very, very visual medium. Uh, there's on Facebook, there's, are, there are some groups like, uh, what is it? Patreon tips. I think it's called Patreon tips where someone did a whole research pod project on it and how the majority of the successful, uh, campaigns on Patreon, All had to do with the visual arts if you're like i said if you're a writer you're gonna you're gonna have a harder time unless you have a very you have a substantial fan base to begin with and i'm saying that now that may change in the future but 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 for right now um i've actually been interviewed by patreon as as to why i didn't come over there (laughs) and start my own (laughs) patreon page and it was pretty interesting uh they really wanted to understand why and that's because I'm a small indie creator. I have what I call a a small but ardent fan base, but not one that's big enough to warrant uh, a Patreon page. Uh,
1: For others, it will be different.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, maybe in the future I will. That would be nice. I'd love that.
1: So you've talked about what kind of content creator would benefit from Patreon and what wouldn't. What kind of advice do you give for Kickstarter? Like what kind of content creator works for a crowdfunding Kickstarter or Indiegogo or something like that?
2: Well, you have to understand that that Kickstarter does only creative projects and it can be anything. And from comics to film, to to tech widgets, to events, there's a ton of creative projects and they do very, very well. uh, And that's all in preparation and, and building the fan base before they launch. Indiegogo takes everything. See, Kickstarter doesn't do charities. Uh they don't do things like GoFundMe. I'm sure you guys have heard of GoFundMe, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've donated yeah, it, to GoFundMe.
2: It's also a terrific platform, but whether or not they it was their intention or not, I have no idea. But they're now branded as sort of like the emergency services crowdfunding platform. Like if you've wrecked your car, yeah. you have extra medical expenses, people immediately think of GoFundMe. And I've had some people I've I've heard like, oh, I, you know, did a, a GoFundMe for my comic. And I'm going like, Why are you wasting your time? <laughs> there's <laughs> there's no there's no market there. Um it's it's kind of silly. But people are gonna do what people are gonna do. Yeah, on Kickstarter, you can't do charities. Uh there's no equity crowdfunding um indiegogo you can do like i said anything and they also have the flex funding uh where you can basically take money as you go uh you don't have to reach your goal you can have it either way you can do it like kickstarter where you have to make your goal uh and if you don't make it you don't get any money uh or you can do the flex funding where people donate and they get your money immediately whether or not
1: they ever make their goal i actually got burnt Mm. on an indiegogo donated I, 50 bucks, never got it back, never got my product.
2: For me personally, I only donate to Indiegogo with projects where I actually know the creator that I have no, some I have a personal a yeah, I have a personal connection, so I'm not worried about it. I I haven't donated to to many Indiegogos, but I think the two or three of them I did um, were for films cuz I, well, I went to UCLA Film School. I have an MFA in screenwriting. And two of my um, colleagues from there, uh, one was to finish post-production on his film, and he finished it and it was you know screened here in you know Los Angeles, so it got done and yay, I was a part of that. Uh, and the other yeah, one. That's
0: always funny. Yeah, and
2: the other one was also for post-production. and it was uh, Lily Amanpour who, <laughs> you know is now one of the new up and coming directors. She, uh, yeah, she's done a ton of stuff. You can go look her up. But I knew my money was going to be well spent. That—that's the point. It was not going to be wasted.
1: Have you heard of the new, the new form of crowdfunding where it's equity based and you can actually get a return on your invas- investment, like micro ventures?
2: Yes. Um, uh, Indiegogo now has equity crowdfunding, and Seed and Spark, I believe, has equity crowdfunding. Uh, you do need a lawyer and have all your you know, I's dotted and Ts crossed and you do need to be incorporated for that. So it's that's a bit of a thing.
0: Oh, so it's like any other investment business then you you gotta like clear contracts up and all that and all those kind of things. Yeah. It's sort of like traditional business and
1: the crowdfunding model merging.
2: Yes. Yes. What a world. And I know there's (laughs) other platforms for equity crowdfunding um other than indiegogo and seed and spark but i mean i'm not familiar with them since i mean they're they're not really creative based
0: that makes perfect sense you were talking about um some of the more uh, you and brian both brought up you know like times you've been burnt or or things that kind of you that were kind of like not good about crowdfunding so let's get into that subject what what are some of the things that you're like i cannot stand this about crowdfunding especially like um let's let's stick with the main one that you're more familiar with um go um kickstarter no, go, kickstarter yes
2: well i have to say that 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 some of the the concerns i've had with them in the past they have taken care of
0: <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs>
2: uh, like, i mean like i said it's a constantly evolving platform and um they want to get better i mean they're of the course. ones who, who started all of this. And and I, I think they're doing a tremendous job. About three or four years ago, a colleague, he and his wife uh, co-wrote uh, a webcomic. They still do. Ran a Kickstarter and over Thanksgiving, which is usually mm. a mistake. You don't <laughs> usually. Want to. Uh, they were having a hard time, uh, and it's a marvelous thing. Uh, any other time of the year, they would have done great. But uh, right some before not
0: work for Kickstarter.
2: Right before Thanksgiving. They were looking for a goal of twenty five thousand to do a you know big trade paperback
0: um, of all okay. their stuff,
2: and right before Thanksgiving, someone dropped in ten grand.
0: Oh, gee, that wow!
2: Yeah, that's, that's usually a big red flag unless you know them personally. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so he contacted Kickstarter. He contacted the guys. Is is this real? And they said, yes, it's real. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then over the course of the Thanksgiving the guy gradually took out his money. So oh. they started trending down, which is always yeah. bad. Because if you have someone going like, wait a minute, weren't they higher before and now they're lower? Well, anyway, by the end of Thanksgiving, that 10 grand was gone mm. and and you lose that momentum and then people think that something's wrong. And so he wrote an article and, about his experience and term this person a kick troller, and you still mm. you still see them. I actually wrote a long letter to Kickstarter saying, "You guys have to set up something to prevent this." And it's
0: going to ruin your platform.
2: And I think they they realized that, and I gave them some suggestions. And I think I'm I'm sure it wasn't me. I'm sure they were talking about this in house as well because they saw this was going on. But one of the things they did implement which I thought was great is that you know with Kickstarter you can pull your pledge whenever you want except now if pulling your pledge 24 hours before the end of that campaign affects whether or not the person will be funded you can no longer do
0: okay so
2: so pretty much if the the campaign is kind of on the edge and you want to pull your you know 100 bucks or something You can't do it. And then they say, you know, if you have an issue after the campaign is funded, you can talk to the creator and you guys can work it out.
1: So Uh, if if they so like, let's say you put a thousand dollars into a crowdfunding campaign and they make their funds really quick. But they'll still make their funds if you drop down to a hundred. Like you're like, I really want to make them to make it. But when they make it by a whole lot, you want to change your donation. You can do that because they made it, and you're not affecting the.
2: Yes, as long as you're not affecting uh, 24 hours beforehand, before the end of the campaign, as long as they're not, you're not affecting whether or not they fund. You can pull it. Yes.
1: Cool. I I, I had I had done something just like that. I had put a substantial amount in. And then when they made it by a whole lot, I scaled back because it was like, well, I, I really wanted to help them out, but they made it. And I'm I'm good now. And I, I scaled back to a smaller donation. So it's cool that you still can do that. And they're preventing the trolls. Nice. Uh, yeah, yes. Yes.
2: And I do know uh, another, uh, call a Facebook friend, um comic book creator, they had made their goal, not by a lot, maybe about you know 100 200 dollars or something like that but but it's they had enough what i would call buffer so if someone pulled their uh, pledge towards the end they they would be okay and someone plunked down 10 grand and oh. and he knew he knew this was fake he knew this was fake he talked to kickstarter and he asked them can you remove it i don't know this person and then he funded and the guy of course never paid the 10 grand um, he wanted kickstarter to remove that money from his the archive that's left Mm -hmm. so and i don't know if they ever did or not just because it really gives you a a skewed sense of how much he made and and
0: so when you see the after product you're like well there is like ten thousand dollars in here why didn't you add ten thousand dollars more of stuff
2: you know oh yeah stretch goals and, and all that other good stuff yeah Exactly. Um, uh, so, yeah, he did. I don't know if they did or not. Ha- I'll have to go search around and, and ask him. I don't remember the name of the uh, the campaign. So they're still out there, but there are more protections for creators. That's good. Yeah, no, and they've they've, you know, changed up some stuff. I would really like Kickstarter to offer the backers the opportunity to pledge to more than one reward tier.
0: Oh, yeah. That'd be nice.
2: Uh, Indiegogo, you can. You can pledge to multiple tiers. Uh, but the Kickstarter right now, you have to have two accounts in order to do that.
0: Oh, uh, OK. <laughs>
2: yeah. You have to create two different accounts or what people do with me is if they want to add extra stuff, they just contact me through, you know, the campaign and we work out something.
0: That's always a good way to do it. Just contact. Yeah, I artist.
2: do that too. Like people say like, Hey, I want to add X, Y, Z. And I'll say like, sure, just add this amount of money to your pledge. I'll make a note in your file and you'll get it after the campaign and everybody's good. So, but I run small enough campaigns that I can do that personally Uh, if you start having larger ones that are, you know, 15, $20,000 or more, then administratively that gets a little dicier.
0: Mm. Now speaking, you, you mentioned feature creep and, uh, I brought up, you know, um, you know, going way over the, um, the funding amount. I'm not sure if this is something that's common in other industries. I'm pretty sure it's not, but I, I noticed it's really common in the gaming industry is when an indie gamer, um, like far and exceeds their, their amount, um, from what I understand numbers wise they they actually do their product actually almost lowers in quality because of this, because, um, they, they're like, Oh man, we made like, let's say like $50,000 over, we got to add $50,000 more content in there. And it's like, and then it kind of bogs everything down. Well, I think the best Kickstarters and Madeline, do you agree
1: with me on this? You plan for that. You're proactive, right?
2: Yeah. For all the same thing in my book and in my classes, I teach people that they should have at least three stretch goals, minimum stretch, three stretch goals planned before they launch, know how much they're going to cost, at what level you're going to set them. And then if you go beyond that, I mean, that's awesome if you do that. But also you need to budget every single one. Uh, so you do have you always need to have a little bit of buffer in case something goes south so you mm-hmm. don't have to dig into your own funds. And usually things go south with postage. <laughs> it's always with, almost <laughs> always, with postage. Right. Yeah. You just need to plan and budget for each thing. We're coming up on our second stretch goal here. Actually, we're less than five hundred dollars away from our second stretch goal. And my third stretch goal is really awesome, by the way. I can't Wait to reveal it. It's so amazing. I'm
1: so <laughs> excited about it. I want to point out that in your second stretch goal, you have um Sepulchre by um Christy Shen on there and we interviewed her.
2: Yes, Christy's awesome. Ah. I'm
1: sorry, Sepulchre. I'm Sepulcher, I'm really yes. bad at pronouncing things.
2: Christy also did the cover of my Kickstarter book, uh Kickstarter for the Independent Creator.
1: Yeah, that's actually how you were put on my radar. Oh, okay. Yeah, because um, I had asked about that book and Christy pointed me in your direction. Yeah,
2: no, um, yeah. I I hire uh, a number of my fellow creators. Um, I move around a lot uh, between creator and creator because I like to spread the love. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone has their strengths too. So I, I go and I play to people's strengths and, and what I need because I suck at Photoshop, so I can't do any of that stuff. So I, I hire people to... You know, do my bookmarks and postcards
1: and covers and stuff. So, do what you're good at. I, I have a couple more things for Kickstarter before we dive deep into your comic because I'd like to do that. I'd like to talk about steampunk in your comic, but I got a couple more Kickstarter questions. Okay. Um, can you give us an overview of your book and your class?
2: Uh, the book, uh, the full name is Kickstarter for the Independent Creator, a practical and informative guide to crowdfunding. It is essentially a step-by-step guide on how to crowdfund an independent project. And it is geared towards independent creators who are looking for a funding goal of under or around or under $10,000. And it's for those creators who it's just you and maybe a partner. And that's it. You don't have money to pay for advertising or a team or any of those marketing scams that pop up every time you run a Kickstarter, which you don't want to do. Most of them are worthless. Uh, what I tell people is when they get the book is they should read it through. I mean, it's not a big book, but it it's packed full of information. Read it through and then read it again and start making notes that are applicable to your own project. All of the references in the book are geared towards comics for the obvious reasons because I've only run um, a comics Kickstarters. But the strategies are work across the board for any kind of from plushies to music CDs to novels to, you know, uh, biographies, um, any any small project um, and short film as well.
0: Okay, it's very useful. Now on to your comic. This sounds really neat. Okay, so you you are making this um, trade of this steampunk comic. Now, what 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 about steampunk just makes you want to make a comic about that particular genre?
2: Well, the original story I wrote as a TV pilot when I was at UCLA and shopped it around a little bit. And this was before steampunk really started becoming mainstream. Mm -hmm. It was suggested to me from a person, a a director in my class, that one, I turned it into steampunk because it did start out as just a period detective piece. And hmm. I did some research. On, I knew I had heard of steampunk, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. And it and it turns out I, I love history and I love science fiction and steampunk is a wonderful marriage of the two. So it was the perfect genre for me. And it was also suggested later on that I turn my TV pilot into a six issue miniseries. So I went back to school, learned how to write a comic and I did it. Uh, I was very fortunate that in that class, I had some amazing mentors. And it was through them that I found uh, my team. And it just this is how it all kind of kind of happened. I I, I think one of the reasons uh, it turned out so well is because I had such great mentors between that class and friends of friends and uh, learning about the comics industry. And so it's been a it's been a great experience. Tiring, but great
1: experience. I, I am really excited about your um, about your, about your, tra- your upcoming trade. I'm really happy you got funded. That is really the end of our interview segment. Um, we, can, we can wrap up and um, talk about um, what's going on in, in our lives, what kind of projects we have coming up, and give you a chance to plug your work. Okay. Madeline, how would people get a hold of you? And do you have anything you'd like to plug?
2: Obviously, the Kickstarter that's going on right now, it runs until March 3rd, 11 a.m. at March 3rd. And you can find it at Kickstarter.com. You can also check out the website at www.bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. I'm also on Facebook. uh, So you just have to type in Boston Metaphysical and it'll come up. Okay. And I'm on Twitter and the handle is at M, M as in Mary, Holly Rosing. That's H-O-L-L-Y-R-O-S-I-N-G. And I would appreciate Go any for all, guys. tweeting and Sorry. pledging or tweeting or sharing.
1: Because uh, I know we
2: really, people really, they, not, they need to see the next stretch goal because they're going to die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it looks really cool. I mean, you got, um, you got four we, we, different comics available
2: well we have yes the the second the first stretch goal was a print done by mike collins who it was one of the animators on mr peabody over at dreamworks uh the second stretch goal that we're coming up on is a comic bundle of six different comics to our steampunk and uh one is like you said christy shin sepulcher and Bayani, uh, by all three issues of Bayani, uh, from Travis McIntyre over at Source Point Press. And hopefully I'll be able to reveal the third stretch goal, which is a print by Pablo Papino. And he is the artist on Skies of Fire. So if you haven't seen Skies of Fire, you guys need to go check it out because it is a diesel punk comic. And it's phenomenal. It's really great, and I was very happy that Pablo agreed to do the pinup. And uh, I just saw the pencils today, and I'm very happy. He does tremendously
1: good work. Do you do you understand the difference between diesel punk and steampunk? I don't really do. What is oh that?
2: diesel? Well, steampunk. The technology is based in steam, and it is more uh, late 1800s uh, time period. Diesel punk. Is early 1900s when we're moving into gas generated technology.
0: Oh, it's kind of like Mad Max ish. Yeah, Mad Max, not really diesel punk since it's technically post apocalyptic. It's
2: post, it's more, yeah, Mad Max is like a post apocalyptic diesel punk.
0: Okay, so, you yeah. so many sub
1: genres. I know, right? <laughs> so you it's, all, it's, all science,
2: it's all science fiction, and it's all
1: fun, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. What kind of nerdy stuff are you into other than your own projects?
2: I think that's so funny when people say like, nerdy, what's your nerdy thing? And for it's me, that's y- just nor- see, that's just normal life. <laughs>
0: that's what so, everyone tells us.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. It's, it's just normal with- life. So I don't think of it as nerdy. But, well, I'm married to a rocket scientist who works at Jet Propulsion Labs. Uh, so I guess that's, that's nerdy. So cool. I've loved science fiction ever since my mother started I think she started me on it when she read me Madeline L. Ingalls, A Wrinkle in Time, when I was a little girl.
1: Oh, that's one of my big starter points, I too. I love that book.
2: Yeah. And my brother probably is the largest collector of graded Daredevil comics in the country. I don't know
1: why, but that's just what he does. Well, like, really? He has the biggest collection?
2: Of graded Daredevil comics. Yeah, I think so. Probably oh, wow. If not one of the,
1: yeah, that's pretty. Oh, that's neat, really actually. cool.
2: Which is really funny because I had no interest in his comics because I had no interest in superhero stuff. There was just nothing there for me, and it wasn't until I started adapting my TV pilot and I went back to school and of course the instructor says, "Okay, now you got to go read indie comics." I'm like, "Okay." and decided that and when i read them i was really mad because no one had told me about those before and they were awesome so it's just it's it's kind of unfair that they don't have indie comics in school they should
0: <laughs> yeah have a comic class i'm down with that
1: you know i agree with you completely i i had that same kind of feeling where it's like i didn't i wasn't not into comics i was into comics and then i got out of comics cuz mainstream comics were like the worst and I didn't even know independent comics were a thing until way later.
2: Yeah, and it's it's surprising. And a friend of mine recommended uh, Brian Vaughn's "Why the Last Man," mm. and I think that's one of the first ones I read. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is awesome! And then, of course, I've been keeping up with Saga uh, when I can. And oh, and I I actually I do reviews at Fanbase Press. Uh, mostly of independent comics, but sometimes mainstream. So I get a chance to read some pretty fun stuff from them. Uh, I've been reviewing uh, Snowfall, which is a science fiction uh, series, which I've been enjoying. And then uh, or for something really fun, uh, the Yan brothers do something called Serving Soups. And that's S-U-P-E-S. And it's about... Two twin brothers who, they're process servers, and their job is to serve summons on superheroes and supervillains. And usually that doesn't end well. Uh, It's a pretty funny series. I think it's from uh, First Comics, a small press publication. You're writing this down?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm typing it down.
1: (laughs) i uh i've been into a newer independent comic but it's not i don't know if it's it's icon which i think is dc's indie label where it's like it's not indie but um creator owned content okay um empress i really like right now Mm -hmm. it's
2: I i haven't read that i have uh read monstrous and lady killer
1: Oh, I haven't checked those out. Okay, I'm writing those down. I've heard of Lady Killer. Heard of it, but I've never read it.
2: Lady Killer is amazing. I mean, not only the art and the story. Essentially, the story is about, it's set in the 1950s, uh, probably about, obviously, 1950s, you know, six years after the war. (laughs) And uh, you can tell it's getting the end of the day. But (laughs) uh, it's a woman, uh, probably in her late 20s, who loves being a housewife? She loves her kids. She loves her husband. She loves getting dinner on the table at six o'clock every night. But she's also the best damn assassin you could ever hire, and she <laughs> loves that
0: that's too. Awesome. Oh, that's cool.
2: Yes, it's like Mr. Miss
0: <laughs> Smith, but just Miss Smith.
2: <laughs> just Miss Smith. Yeah, her <laughs> nothing. And and the art—they've uh, two young women write it. So I know they weren't alive during the 1950s. They get everything, all the detail, the period detail correct, like the Felix, the cat clock in the background and the sunbeam mixer and just, you know, how she sits and just all this stuff. It's tremendously good. Uh, and in the back, there's ads they did kind of making fun of the, the times and, and everything. Anyway,
1: yeah, go go read. It's very good. You'll like it. I'll have to check that out. Anthony, do you have anything new to share that you're up to? Modeling stuff, writing stuff. Yeah, it's like the same thing, huh? Now you're modeling um, Warhammer 40K?
0: Yeah, but I don't have any more new models. Like, I have everything pre-ordered and nothing's shown up yet. If you
1: want to see his models, Madeline, um, take a look at our page. Okay. He's been... and I'm going to describe this from his perspective because he's pre- described it on other um, episodes. But he's taken his tanks and he's painted them so they look like they're rotting with like pimples and boils growing on them.
2: Wow. That's what <laughs> yeah. called attention to
1: detail. What's the army called? It's like a demon infested army.
0: Oh, okay, so the main army is the Chaos Space Marines, evil version of Space Marines. Um, the specific army would be the Death Guard. They're basically uh, patrons to the the Chaos God of Death, Nurgle. So everything about them is all death and disease and plagued, and they're all plague-ridden, and they go around spreading disease across the galaxy.
1: And they have boils and pimples growing on their tanks, which I think is weird.
0: Oh, and yeah, Nicole, just – And you don't see that and, kind and of And thing their body around. and their armor. is just – Lots of lots of lots of gross things. All yeah. Around. The um, if you Google the name
1: of the army, it's all gross. It's all really gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian I showed him pictures of. He was like, "That's disgusting." <laughs> yeah, um, because I, I was like, "Are they undead?" Because there's like organs hanging out and stuff. And he's like, "No, they're just Chaos Army." <laughs> <Yeah>. they <It> just <laughs> welcome to Chaos. Chaos does weird stuff. So uh, me right now, I finally got a chance to go to the movies because it's been a while. Um, and I saw Split by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh. <laughs> it was
2: by fantastic.
1: my fantastic. My, my. I know you're all you're all reacting to an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> I am re- reacting to an M. Night Shyamalan
0: movie.
1: I'm just,
2: su- I'm just surprised people keep giving him money. I'm sorry.
1: It was so good. It was so good. He's learned his lessons. Um, there is a twist at the end, but it's not like <laughs> it's not like the movie is like your mind is blown by the twist. It's just a cool story edition, like the way a twist is supposed to work at the end of the movie. Casting was fantastic. James McAvoy is amazing in it. But I do have to warn um, listeners, uh, trigger warnings for um, for sexual violence. It's there. There's some pretty rough stuff. So if you have a problem with that, skip that. Skip that movie (laughs) or have someone who knows you watch it first.
0: Okay. yeah,
1: because it 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 got a little rough about halfway through. I went, oh, wow. Wow. That's going to be that's going to be a surprise for some people. But it was. It was very chilling. Um, there was some, um, there was some funny scenes to break the tension, and the movie built up really well. I say it was a very fine horror movie and a good suspenseful thriller as well. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And it's not like I've been defending M Night Shyamalan. I hated those bad that happening and uh, <laughs> signs. <laughs> signs. I didn't like signs that much. I didn't like um, the. I did like Lady in the Water actually. I did like Lady in the Water, but I think it was because I got that he was attacking critics. And I thought it was funny that he was <laughs> so blatantly attacking critics by making this movie.
0: That's actually kind of nifty. Yeah. So, yeah, that's. You, you, you do. You do
2: realize that a number of years ago, someone was putting together a fund called Send uh, Shyamalan to Film School. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. <laughs> oh, that's amazing.
1: You didn't I, know that, did you? No, I didn't. That's really cool. That ties back into our main com- com- topic. That's really cool. Send Shyamalan to film school.
0: You, and you know what else? Um, was I think the, his greatest twist of all was his Avatar movie, um, you know, Last Airbender. I think the greatest twist of all was that it was a shitty movie.
2: <laughs> and poorly cast.
1: God, that movie was It, god it has to have been one of the worst movies I've ever seen.
0: And <laughs> yeah. it, it was so hyped up. Yeah. It was so unbelievably Ugh. hyped. And the crazy thing is, how did you ruin that? Like, just do what the show did. That's all you have to do, you idiots. And he's like, nah. Oh, uh,
1: you made me sad now. So I'm going <laughs> to end on a happy note. Happy. I watched Santa Clarita Diet episode one through ten last night. Wow. I couldn't stop. I that they're, they're a half hour <laughs> long, so hard. it wasn't too bad. I mean... It's still five hours, but um, (laughs) uh, still a quarter of my day. (laughs) Yeah, it's so delightful. It's so unbelievably delightful. I I loved it. And yeah, I don't really want to. I'd say it's a great commentary on suburban life, Hmm. um, but it's it's just fan-freaking-tastic. I really, really enjoyed it, and I couldn't stop. Every episode I finished, I watched the next one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you like if you like zombie stories, if you like commentaries on suburban life is is just good. So um, I'm going to read my spiel real quick. We are Nerd Podcast Radio. If you want to reach us, um, you can go to Nerd Podcast Radio on Facebook. You can also contact us by email at Brian Nerd at Gmail uh, r- 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 dot com. Nerdcast. I'm sorry. Mike Radio at Gmail dot com. Anthony at dot com. And Twitter, at SuperVeganBrian, at NerdcasterMike, at NerdcastRadio. And please review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever other platform you listen to. We appreciate that greatly. Thank you so much for coming, Madeline. We learned so much today.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. um, It was just your... You have accomplished so many great things. Uh, Thank you for sharing that your first Kickstarter failed. It's great to hear people acknowledging (laughs) the things that happened that they learned their lessons from, and it's why they're successful now.
2: Yeah, well, this will, I mean, this will be the fourth consecutive successful one since that time. So yeah, we've learned our lessons and, and uh, work very hard at this, but I haven't seen the numbers change for a little while. So you got to, guy, you guys got to help me get more pledges out there. (laughs)
1: we um yeah we we have shared and please check out her kickstarter i i find it pretty easy by just going to google and type in um uh, boston metaphysical society trade kickstarter um that that'll get you the newest one rather than one of the oldest ones yes one thing i do want to ask if um are you going to be making any appearances coming up or do or is it not till the summer
2: oh uh my first con i'm doing the tulare sci-fi con in mid-March. That'll be my first. Where is that? Uh, in Tulare, California. It's a small little town.
1: It's like is a that, warm-up con for me. Is that like Central Valley or Northern? Or? It's,
2: it's about three hours north up the... I think the 99 from Los Angeles.
1: Okay. So it's like just past Bakersfield.
2: Yeah, it's actually... Parallel to Bakersfield. Bakersfield is on the 5 and Tulare is on the 99.
1: Oh, cool. I love and, those little fringe conventions.
2: And then uh, I'm at WonderCon, a uh, small press. And then after that, Silicon Valley, uh, which is up at the San Jose Convention Center. And I forget. I have a whole I have a whole schedule here. I can actually pull it out. Uh, let's see. I'm still waiting to hear on if I'm going to be at Weedanopolis, which is here in the Los Angeles area. I will be at Clockwork Alchemy, which is a steampunk convention, which is it's part of Fanime up in San Jose. And I will also be at the San Diego Comic-Con. We are in Small Press.
1: Cool. San Diego. Do you go to Gaslamp in San Diego? Gaslamp or Gaslight? Gaslight. I'm sorry. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. Though they've split off now, there's now Gaslight Expo, and then Gaslight Gathering. And oh, I've heard that. Yeah the the woman who was running Gaslight Gathering is now running the Expo, and I'm definitely going to that. And but I ha- don't quite have the information on the other one yet, so I don't know if I'm going to that these other one.
1: Okay, cool. Well, there's plenty of places you can you can go check out her work and meet Madeline. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And um, this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Um, I was super vegan, Bright, and um, we had to do Anthony. Yes, we did. And um, Madeline, Holly, Grossing. Thank you so much. So everybody, please stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Awesome.
2: Radio, Radio.